Uh, we're on the fourth of five weeks on this series, uh, and we're talking about Limitless, and it is a series to, I'm preaching to the choir, possibility-oriented people. Uh, last weekend, Joyce and I were out of town. Uh, the Monday before that was my mom's funeral. I appreciate all your prayers. Um, I officiated that. Mom was 91 and had been for the past couple years saying, I don't know why the Lord doesn't take me home. And she was bedfast. And so it was really a homegoing and a celebration. And so I'm following my own advice. I tell people if a loved one's last years are difficult, just jump over that and remember the good stuff. And so I've got about 89 years of really great memories without all of her struggle and suffering. And she's in heaven where she wants to be. And so I look forward to seeing her again someday. So thank you for that. And then uh, last weekend we went and saw some friends in Maryland and then stopped and saw Lauren for a couple days, our daughter in Virginia, in, in Richmond. And now we're back. And while I was gone, I understand you raised, we raised some more sponsorships for kids in Africa. And so we send several hundred thousand meals over there to our partners and we've helped plant 30 churches. And each church has a preschool and so we sponsor these children at $27 a child per month. That's 90 cents a day. And it gets them a meal that you see them enjoying there. Some it's the only meal they have that day. Also gets them uh, school supplies and uniforms. And uh, if you have not yet done that but would like to, I think we have a QR code. If I point like this, there we go. Hang on. There, okay. I'm like the weatherman. And moving down from Canada is it? Uh, so join us in that. We'll give you more opportunity next weekend. But for $27 a month, it makes a huge difference. We need about another 150 kids uh, for this coming school season. And we'll be up to over 800 students that we, we sponsor in Eswatini, Africa. And some of us will be going over there for a leadership trip uh, next month. So I'm excited about that. First time since 2019. So uh, we're going to dive in this weekend. And uh, we've been doing some limited math for our series. It is me plus God, plus faith, and it really uh, is our Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 definition, he, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is future-oriented and future-focused. And then we've had plus something else equals possibilities. Uh, the first week we said... God, me plus God plus faith plus little things equals possibilities. Last week or two weeks ago was plus my Jerusalem and we did taking it to the streets. And I'm excited to hear all the creative ways people are using that $20 to impact people. And then last weekend was me plus God plus faith plus my big yes. And this weekend we're talking about me plus God plus faith plus giant problems. Say giant problems. I'm sure you've had them. Equals possibilities. And so uh, how many of you are currently facing a giant problem situation in your life? Let me see your hand. How many of you ever had one in your life? Let me see your hand. How many of you are going to have one? Raise your hand. I'm going to ask it, okay? It's part of living, right? Problems are part of this planet. And so as we talk about problems, uh, there are a couple of categories we want to divide that off into. And if you have the CLC app, you can follow along with us. The first point talks about two ways to reduce giant intimidations. When problems hit us in life, one of the biggest difficulties is just the sense of intimidation and anxiety that we feel. The fear, 
that it compels us to. Whether it's a, a problem with a person, whether it's a problem with your health or your job or your, your academics, your finances, your internal well-being, your past, I mean, whatever it is, when those things hit, we get anxious, we get intimidated. And so I want to talk about two ways to reduce giant intimidations, whether the, the giant problem in your life uh, is a person or if it's an opponent, if you will, someone that's opposing you, or whether it's an obstacle. And there were too many verses to jump around on to put them on the screen. So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. For this first point, I'm just going to kind of jump around the chapter. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says in the first verse, the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and they were gathered at Sokoth, which belongs to Judah. They camped between Sokoth and Azekah in whatever that place is there. <laughs> the, the Philistines were Israel's enemy and they came onto Israel's territory. And they camped there with the intention, we're going to take over. And you've got giant problems in your life that come into your turf into your well-being, into your livelihood, in your, your world, and Satan would love to take over through that. And what we see is that, if you can picture this, there's this big valley. On one side are the Philistines, the Philistine army. On the other side is the Israeli army. And the Philistines are there, and, and I'm not an expert on war, but I know if you let the enemy set the terms of conditions, you're already, uh, he, they're one up on you. And they did that. And the Philistines said, we're going we're to set the terms and conditions. Why should all of us fight? Why should all of us die? Or a good many of us die? Let's just have your champion and our champion winner take all. Okay, we'll do that. And so then they saw who their champion was. And their champion, verse 4, came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Whew, can you believe that? You don't know six cubits in a span, right? All right, so let's, if you do the math, six cubits in a span is nine and a half feet tall. I am six foot three. And if you, I measured it. If you take, I can just about, I can touch an eight foot ceiling. So if you add that to it, all right, the top of that little flashlight thing is about how tall Goliath was. Would you say that's tall? Okay. And when you see this, by the way, in the, in the parking lot, do what they say, all right? <laughs> I borrow this from our parking team and tell them thank you. They're all volunteers. They're here way early and way late before and after church so you can get in and out. So, but that's how tall Goliath was. And David was just a teenager. Uh, he wasn't old enough for military service, probably 13 to 15 years of age. Keep that in mind. Samuel writes this. And in verses 4 through 7, he writes about the armor and the weaponry that this man is bringing. It writes about his, his helmet. It writes about his armor itself weighed 125 pounds. Just the armor that he put on to protect himself. He had uh, a javelin. He had a spear. The spear, the head of the spear was somewhere between three and five pounds. Just the head of that spear and the, and the, and the, the shaft of it was huge. And he comes thundering out there and he's got a, he's got a shoulder, or a shield carrier. And that guy's job was just to carry the shield because he had all this other stuff he's carrying. And he is one lethal war machine all nine and a half feet tall of him. And you talk about intimidating. Just when you read that, it's like, whoa. And then he says, 
Goliath yells out and he says, why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. And he said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words, Saul's the king, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were intimidated. Because he was all nine and a half feet tall of of intensity. And he had the, the history to back it up. I'm sure there was a legend around all the horrific things that Goliath did in battle. Now, I have never been in battle. I have never faced a person like Goliath, and I'm thankful for that. I do not feel my life will be less if I don't. But I've been intimidated before. Anybody else ever been intimidated? Scared? Right? Um, The guy wasn't a giant, but this takes me back to, man, when I was in my college days. I think I only told this one story way back 30 years ago, so I can use it again. So I lived in the dorm, uh, and our dorm was kind of an H shape. And so this side and this side were three stories worth of dormitory halls, all right? And then the, the middle of the, the, the dorm, the H, was the lobby downstairs and a recreation room upstairs. I lived on the first floor in the back of the dorm. My window was here looking out over a patio. And then there was a, a sidewalk going out this way to the gym or to classrooms. And we went through a, a rash of bicycle thefts. And back in those days in the 70s, that's how you got around campus and around town was on a bike. And so all the bikes were locked up on the back patio. We had a big dorm meeting because somebody was stealing bikes pretty regularly. And so we had guys, uh, we did a stakeout. We don't know anything about a stakeout, but anyways, we had, we had guys hiding on the roof, you know, at night and hiding over and just watching, you know, we did it for weeks and nobody ever saw anything. So interest eventually faded and then sure enough, bikes started disappearing again. What do we do about that? And so I was studying one night in the library and I came back to my dorm and I'm walking into the dorm and in the front of the dorm, there's a stairwell and there's a glass wall all up the stairwell so you could see people going up the stairs. On the second story, there's two guys I never saw before. Uh, and in a dorm with only a few hundred guys in it, you get to know everybody over the course of time. And I didn't recognize them. I wonder who those guys are. Went into my room and then went out to the gym. And as I'm coming back from the gym, those guys had moved from the stairwell. And now they're standing at the back of the patio uh, by all the bikes. And they had a couple of towels under their arm if they're going to go to the gym or what. And I thought, hmm. And so I went into my dorm room and I thought, you know, I bet those guys are up to no good. So I didn't turn the light on in my dorm room. I'm sitting in the dark, and, and my window, our window was like right next to the bike racks, okay? So I could reach out and like touch them if the window was open. And so I'm watching these guys, and so they're like over towards the middle of the patio where the sidewalk goes out. And so they would walk over this way, and they'd look into the, the, the lobby to see if anybody was coming. And when they came over to see in the lobby, they're like, I could reach out and grab them from my room. They're right there. And then they would go back. And then they'd, they'd walk over again. And I'm like, right there. Then they go back. Finally, they walk over. I'm right inside the window. And I watch the guy drop the towel. He has these huge bolt cutters. And he reaches down right in front of me. And he's going to cut the chain on a bike. 
That's all I need. I, am, I, I, ran, I run out my room. I run down the hallway. I run through the lobby. It's full of guys, all right, and their girlfriends want to go. I go, they're stealing the bikes, all right? And I run out, and, I'm, and so all of a sudden, it's like chariots of fire, slow motion. Da, 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 da. All right? And in my mind, what I picture is by now they're on the bikes, and they're riding down the sidewalk, and they're going to ride past the gym, and I'm going to run up to them, and in linebacker fashion, I'm not a linebacker, I'm going to dive and tackle them and take them to the ground. Da, 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 boom. And then the guys from the dorm who followed me will swarm on them, and security will come and get them, and the bikes will be safe, right? Did you ever, but did you ever have something in your mind have no resemblance to reality? So I run out the door, and first of all, I don't see them anywhere, right? And so, and there's like this wall that comes like this way, a brick wall, and then you run out the, side, the sidewalk. So I run out the sidewalk to see where they are, and they're not down by the gym, and they're not up there by the classrooms, and I turn around, they're standing right there behind me. And the one guy was not nine and a half feet tall, but he was like six, six or six, seven, all right, which is plenty big, uh, and then his buddy was shorter than him. And, and then the second thing I noticed was, Nobody came out of the dorm. <laughs> I could do math, two to one, not good odds, especially one guy's like a few inches taller than me. And so all I have as a tool is intimidation. So in my bravest voice, I go, you, you've had it. <laughs> That's all I had. <laughs> to which he upped the intimidation and, and, and pulled out his bolt cutters that looked like 10 feet tall and, and started to say things to me I cannot repeat to you in church or anywhere, all right? and all these threats. And then I was intimidated. And then for some reason, the tall guy ran that way, and the short guy ran that way, and then one guy, Steve Ephraim, comes out of the lobby running. And I, I just instinctively chased the guy, all right? And so I said, come on, Steve, let's get him. So we, we chased this guy past the gym, past the baseball fields, through the, 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 the trailer court, uh, all the way to Smith Park. And when I'm just about to, I'm <laughs> exhausted, he, he falls on top of a garbage can, just totally winded. And so we grabbed him and, and security showed up. But yeah. I would never do that again. And I asked the police officers, and they said, yes, there is such a thing as stupid adrenaline. And that's what I was working on, all right? Just stupid. It was, it was a stupid thing to do, all right? Only time I was, I mean, that was, when I think of a big guy who intimidated me, that was intimidating. I can't imagine when it's a person who is a known warrior killer, what do you do about that? And so what do you do about intimidating, fear-inducing Instance, instances in your own life, those Goliaths. Maybe it is a person who hates you. Maybe it's someone who's out to destroy you or, or tear you up. I don't know. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a difficult person, but maybe it's a difficult scenario. Maybe it is a diagnosis and you are intimidated, scared to be more accurate. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a situation, a big a bunch of trouble or a mess that just won't go away. Maybe it's about your future or your finances and you're just scared of where it's going to go. Maybe it's your past. I don't know what it is. But what do we do when we're fearful, when we're intimidated? Or let's, let's, let's dial it back, okay, <clears throat> when we're just real anxious, when we're just kind of like a nervous wreck inside. And we're just totally preoccupied and we just can't shut it off. And we're just, we're just worried, 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 worried. What do we do? What do we do to, to minimize, or as that point says, what do we do to reduce intimidation, even if it's giant size? 
Well, we can learn from David, this, this teenager. Because David, dad sends David to the battlefield. He's not old enough to be in the military. So he says, I want you to go and check on your brothers. See how they're doing and bring me a report of the battle. So he does and he gets there and he sees that the, the every day, what the, what, the, what the men would do, verse 34, when all the men of Israel saw the man, uh, the giant, uh, first it says they, they were greatly afraid and they fled. So every day these soldiers get up, they do the war cry, okay, so they come from, and they stop. And then Goliath comes out and issues a threat and they go, and they're scared, all right? David sees this. He goes, what's going on? Have you forgotten whose we are? We belong to the Lord. He's, he is threatening and mocking uh, the Lord of hosts. And so David says, well, well, what will the king do for the man who takes this giant down? And they say, well, his family will be tax-free, and, and the king will give whoever that man is his wife, uh, his daughter for one of his wives. So David says, well, I'll fight the guy. So Saul hears, hey, there is a man of Israel who's willing to fight Goliath. He says, bring him here because nobody is willing. And they bring this teenage kid there, all right? And Saul goes, right. He goes, no, I'll, I'll, I'll fight him. And so Saul, I'm paraphrasing, but Saul says, okay, well, take my armor. And he puts his armor on. It's way too big. doesn't fit. David says, I can't do this. He goes, and, and here's what David did, all right, to, to minimize the intimidation. First of all, say, use your memory. Because when Saul says, have you seen this guy? This guy is a warrior killer and you're going to go out there? David used his memory and he says to the king, your servant was tending his father's sheep, verse 34, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. When he rose up against me, I seized him, I struck him, and I killed him. Your majesty, I remember when God gave me the strength and the ability to kill a lion and to kill a bear. And when I think back to what God helped me do in the past, then I have no problem extrapolating that forward and saying, okay, then God will help me in the future. So if you can think of anything that God has done in your past, anytime he answered prayer, anytime he provided, anytime he made a way, anytime things that worked out, then use your memory to help fight that giant sense of intimidation. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's a chapter that looks back over the centuries of faith of all the amazing heroes that God did amazing things through their faith from Abraham and Noah and David all the way to, to the New Testament times. And the reason why we do that is because we use our memory, think back to the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, and then as it does in Hebrews, you look back, then you have the strength and motivation to look forward. Because Hebrews 11 looks back on all these people that didn't know what God was going to do, how he was going to make a way, and he did. And so that very chapter starts with faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When you are intimidated and overwhelmed by the giants in your life, whatever the Goliath is, look back on how God has provided in the past and let that bolster your anticipation of what you hope for and of what you don't see yet. And then use your memory as one. Say exercise faith. Because that's the second way you do it. So the king says, okay, son, have at it. So David takes, as you remember, five smooth stones and a slingshot and his shepherd's staff. And he goes out there to meet this Goliath. Note to self, if you want to make Goliath mad, send a kid out there with a slingshot. 
What am I, a dog? You're coming at me with sticks and stones? I'm insulted. I'm going to kill this kid, and I'm going to kill all of you, basically. But David, remembering his past, then David exercises faith. And David said to the Philistine, verse 45, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, listen to his faith. Listen to his assurance of things hoped for. Listen to his conviction of things yet to come. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. I'll give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly, these brave soldiers behind me shaking in their boots, that they will know the Lord does not deliver by the sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Say the battle is the Lord's. And he'll give you into our hands. David, a man, a young man of great faith, he used his memory. God did it then, that I'm going to trust God to do it now. And then he spoke in faith that God's in control. The battle is the Lord's. So whatever Goliath you're facing in your life, I want you to think back to what God has done for you and then remind yourself, say it out loud, the battle is the Lord's. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't have anything to look back to. Because you've insisted, if you live your life without Christ, then you've insisted, I've got this. So every circumstance in life is just you. But if you trust God, the Bible says we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. If you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, if you say, okay, I surrender my life to you. I, I need you in my life. I, wanna, I want to be yours. Then, then you can begin to accumulate a history of seeing how God has provided. If you've not trusted Christ, at the end of the service, we'll give you a chance to do that. All right. Now, it's not just Goliath's opponents that are against you. The second point says to persevere through giant obstacles. So there are opponents kind of aggressive, but then there are obstacles that are just in the way. You know, the job was going just great, and then, boom, something got in the way. The relationship was going just fine, and then, boom, something got in the way. You were feeling all healthy, and then, boom, something got in the way. I mean, the studies were going good, and then, but, I mean, we have obstacles in life, and some of them are huge, some of them are formidable, and some of them we don't know how we're going to get through them or around them. Well, if anybody modeled persevering, it was the Apostle Paul. And originally I had this verse on the screen. I said, you know, let's just take it down. I'll just list it. You go to 2 Corinthians 11, and he just lists the kind of things he had to deal with as an apostle. Talk about obstacles. He was imprisoned several times. He was beaten almost to death. He was whipped on five different occasions with a, with a whip with nine strands of leather to it. He was beaten three times. He was stoned once when they throw rocks at you, fist-sized rocks, and leave you for dead. He was shipwrecked three times. You ever been on a boat or on a cruise or whatever? You go, oh, I hate to be in that water. Yeah, that happened to him three times in the Mediterranean Sea. Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. You're like, yeah, so... He had to deal with flooding rivers. I was in one flood in my, wife, my life, and it was a creek that overflowed. I can't imagine a raging river. He had to deal with robbers, hostile crowds in the city, hostile crowds in the countryside. He had to deal with hardships and sleepless nights. He said there was no sleep, no food, no water. You know, I was living in the cold, living in the elements. All those things I had to endure. 
And you say to yourself, wait a minute, I thought that when you accept God and you follow Christ, I thought the Bible said everything just worked out great and you were healthy, wealthy, and wise. Whoever is telling you that is not telling you that from people in this book. Because this book says, actually, it's a rough climb. And it's a battle. You know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, John Maxwell, you know, he says that, you know, everything worthwhile in life is uphill. Marriage, uphill. Raising kids, uphill. Ministry, uphill. You name it, physical health, uphill. Mental health, uphill. And, and as believers, God will give you, again, here's where being a Christian is, makes a difference because we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. As believers, we have the ability to persevere through giant obstacles, Goliath-sized obstacles. You can persevere through it. Sometimes they go down, but sometimes you have to persevere through it, around it, over it. And so Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4 to his young protege near the end of Paul's life. He says, I have fought the good fight. Why does he say that? Because it's been a fight. It's been a battle. I spoke at a friend's church to his staff, and, you know, I, I think I mentioned this. I get asked all the time, well, what's the key to enduring a long time? It's great to be the poster child for that, you know. But I, I took a picture of a Rocky movie. I think I told you this recently. And, you know, when every, every Rocky movie ends the same way, right? He's all beat up and bloody. His eyes cut. He's cry, crying, Adrian, right? I, 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 you've seen them all. Spoiler alert, okay? I held a picture up. I said, this is what it feels like when you win. And Paul says, I fought a good fight. Because it has been hard writing half the New Testament, planting the New Testament church. It has been hard. I had to fight a fight. I had to fight a Goliath-sized fight. I have finished the course. There is no, I finished the course when the course is la, 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 la. Now I'm done. Boom. No, I finished it. I ran it when I had pains in my side, when I was totally winded, when I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. I kept going and I finished the course and then I kept the faith. How many times has Satan tried to get you, I know he's tried to get me, to say, is this even real? Is even a God? I mean, all this mumble jumble, you know, or at the very least, where is God? He doesn't care about you. Your prayers don't matter. He will do everything he can to try to get you and I to give up, to let go of, to lose the faith. And Paul says, no, you know what? I fought a good fight, and step by step, I finished the course, and I kept the faith. I would not let go. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award not only to me on that day, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so learn to persevere. You know, there's been a shift in modern-day American Christian thought and kind of Western Christian thought that I think is disillusioning many that earlier Christians, back in the late 1800s, you know what one of the hymns of the church was? Onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war. When I have that expectation, Goliaths don't freak me out, I expect them. 
When I have that expectation, fatigue is part of it. When I have that expectation, intimidation, I understand it's going to come with it. But I have a sense of confidence and strength and perseverance. And someday the ah will come when I'm in heaven. So learn to persevere. And, and the third point, because not all giants die. Can I get an amen? Some of the giant obstacles in your life you will not get around. You will not get over. You will not get through. They will not go down. Some of the giant obstacles and opponents in your life, you will simply have to learn how to live with and outlive until the day you die and go to heaven. Paul did that. You read in Galatians in chapter 4 and chapter 6, do a little detective work, and, and theologians surmise he may have had some kind of an eye disease because in chapter 4, he says, when I was there, you, some of you would have plucked your own eyes out for me and given them to me. Why would you do that unless you felt bad for him? In verse chapter 6, he says, see with what large letters I'm writing in my own hand. So did he have some kind of vision problem because of that eye disease? That may have been what he's referencing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Say a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times. I asked God, please heal me. Please take it away. Please kill the Goliath. Get rid of the, whatever. whatever. God, take it from my life that it might leave me. And he said to me, I add my own edit, no. God ever tell you no? He has. If you don't raise your hand, he has. You just didn't notice it. You just insisted on keep at no, no, you keep fighting. There are times, I mean, God answers your prayer, yes. He answers it later. He answers it no, or he answers it something else. In this instance, he said, no, Paul. Because this thorn in your flesh, this Goliath problem is going to teach you. Look at what Paul learned from this thorn in the flesh. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power. His power is perfected in weakness. Some of the Goliaths in life, God allows to stay for the rest of your life because they're an ongoing lesson and instruction for you and for me. Most gladly, therefore, Paul said, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. This is the man who's come to term with some of the Goliaths not going anywhere so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content <laughs> with weaknesses and insults and distresses and persecutions and difficulties. That does not make a good modern day worship song. <laughs> that doesn't preach real well on television or the internet. Paul says, you know, I, I've seen God do amazing things. He's the one who wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one who wrote, if God is for us, who can be against us? He's the one who wrote, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. And he's the one who wrote, I ask God, I beg God over and over. It may have been that idea, it might have been something else. And God said no to me, but then God taught me. Even in the no, there's a lesson, there's a shaping, there's a refining. And so you know what? Because of that, I am well content with all that because I've learned when I am weak, then I'm strong. In my greatest suffering, in my greatest struggling, I see his, the greatest grace. And Paul learned that when God's incredible miracles are not there, I love incredible miracles. 
When his incredible miracles are not there, his amazing grace is. Grace would not be amazing if it weren't in the presence of giant Goliath-sized opponents and obstacles that did not go anywhere. You mean you can coexist with that? Absolutely. How? Because I have amazing grace, the amazing unmerited favor of God. And so learn to cope. James chapter 1, I am not near as good at it as I should be. And he says, consider all joy, my brother, when you encounter a bunch of trials. Anybody else getting good at that? Man, I, I have to hit rewind, take it over, take it over, take it over. That's a test I keep retaking. I can handle a problem at a time, couple. But when they come, you understand they come in bunches? When you encounter various trials, consider it all joy. Here's a challenge for you. Next time something goes wrong, hopefully you'll remember this sermon and right now you'll remember saying, smile about it. Consider it joy. Why? Because knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants to shape you to look more like Jesus. And he does far more of that in the troubles with Goliath-sized opponents or obstacles than he does when everything is going just fine. That's when he shapes me. That's when he molds me. That's when he, he perfects me. And, you know, David had to live with some difficult people. I mean, Saul was the king he served, and Saul was a mess. He was insecure. He was egotistical. He was violent. He was unstable, volatile, wanted to kill David on many occasions, yet David somehow managed to live, even being around Saul. His wife, Michael, despised him. Shimei was a really crazy guy that hassled David. You can read about him. And David shows us, though, that he didn't become a reaction to the Goliaths and the problems and the difficult people in his life. If you become just like all the problems and all the people and all the whatever, and that doesn't say a whole lot for God, but if you can be more and more like Christ as those situations and people and circumstances rage, that's what God intends. Let me read for it. It's on the screen, Psalm 142. I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you did know my path in the way where I walk. It is fine. Tell God all about the Goliath, all about the situation, all about the obstacle, all about the opponent. Tell him all about Tell him how you feel. Tell him, I mean, anguish. David was honest before God in the Psalms. But there is a trust that comes through psalm after psalm. Give heed to my cry. God, I cried out to you. He says, bring my soul out of prison so I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will, your righteousness will surround me and you'll deal bountifully with me. Are you becoming a reaction to all that stuff? Let's hit the pause button and rewind. Certainly you will face Goliaths out there. When the next one comes or as those that you're dealing with continue, Say to yourself, you know what? God can use this. God can use them to shape me to look more like Jesus. To strengthen my resolve. To grow my faith. 
I want to speak to those of you that right now as I'm talking, you're slightly preoccupied by a Goliath opponent or obstacle in your life or back there in your past. I don't want to, I want to call you out and encourage you to be like that young teenage shepherd boy, David. I think that's maybe why God used him. Because none of us had the excuse, well, I can't do that. I'm not a king. I can't. No, David was, it wasn't even ready for military. He was like 13, 14 years old. He was a shepherd boy. He was not prepared for battle. And so you might not be prepared for the diagnosis you got or the economy or what your boss said or what's going on in your marriage or your kids or your family or, or your health or, or what goes on. Some of us, the most difficult person is the one we see in our mirror every day. And the struggle that they have here with their thoughts and what they tell themselves and what they think about themselves or they think about that or they think about their past. Some of the biggest obstacles as a person in our mirror, what they're carrying in here and their emotional life and their struggle. And you feel like I'll never overcome that or get through that. And I want to call you back to young David. So let's go back to the, to the battle lines. And the Israelites are like on this side of the valley. And David sees the Goliath like you can see your Goliath, your giant opposition, your giant opponent. And David chose to look back at the past. And David realized, the fourth point, let's, let's say it before I do this. Say this out loud with me and say it with conviction. I'm going to make you stand and say it. How's that? Right? Okay, let's go. This I will rejoice and be glad in it. Man, ever since I told you to say that, I've been saying that. It changes your attitude. First thing in the morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad. It is filled with possibilities. And now with this sermon, filled with giant possibilities. Every day is filled with possibilities to fight, possibilities to win, possibilities to persevere, possibilities to grow, to learn, to become, to trust, to mature, to become steadfast, to see the goodness of God and the mercy and the power of God. And so when David is back here on the, on the lines with the, with the Israelites, and they're all shaking in their boots. David sees Goliath come out. He's like, wow, I see why you guys are so intimidated. But David says, wait a minute. I, I remember a lion coming after me, and God helped me tear that thing apart. I remember a bear coming after me, and I killed it, a bear with my own hands. And I, I, if God did that, I don't care how big you are, that same God that did that can find a way. I have an assurance of something I'm hoping for. I have a conviction of something I don't see yet, Goliath. And my conviction is I'm going to take you down with a slingshot stone. I'm going to take your head off so that all these people and all those Philistines will know that the battle belongs to the Lord. And by the time David came from there to the place of, of battle, he was more than a conqueror through the one who loved him. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want to speak to all of you who are, you know who you are. You're facing a Goliath circumstance or an opponent in your life. And it is time for you to muster up the kind of courage. David had to make a choice. He could have gone, taken supplies, seen his brother, shrub Goliath, and went home and said, Dad, it is bad. David made a choice. I'm going to stand. I'm going to face this. I'm going to call on the God who did in the past. I'm going to trust him for what's in the future. And so here's what I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to do. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, you are out of luck, my friend, with every Goliath in your life until you surrender and say, Lord, my life is in your hands. Because once your life is in his hands, he takes a special interest in you. 
He forgives you of your sins. That's incredible. He gives you his presence in your life, and he promises you the hope of heaven. So worst case scenario, you're going to heaven regardless of what happens between now and then. If you're here today and you need to accept Christ, in a moment, I want you to join others. I want you to come forward and come across here and stand here to pray. But the larger crowd will be those of you who are already Christians. And I'm calling you to have your own version of Onward Christian Soldier. You are right now standing back there on the front line of the Israelites. And I want you to picture whatever it is that is intimidating you right here. It's the doctor's expression on his face when he told you. It is your son or daughter telling you. It is your marriage. It is your boss. It is the economy. It is whatever struggles, whatever issues you're dealing with. Whatever is intimidating you in life, that's your Goliath. I want you to picture your Goliath right here. And I want you to be David now, or Davidesses, all right? And I want you, as the band plays, I want you just to step up from where you are right now and say, I am going to trust God that based on what he's done in my past, he will be with me again with this Goliath, and I will be more than a conqueror. And we're going to pray for you. But you need to take a step. You need to leave the lines where you are, just like David did, and come and face it right here. So right now, before any other invitation, just step up from where you are. You're facing a Goliath in life. Just come and stand, stand across here. We're going to pray for you. If you want to accept Christ, pray that prayer. Come down here as well. Just join them. All across, I'll wait. In the stadium seats, come on down. All across the main floor. If you're debating, that's a good indicator. Just get down here. Oh, should I go? I don't care. I can do my seat. You can do it. I guess you can do your seat, but there's just something about saying, okay, I'm going to take the step. Why are you so intimidated right now to take the step? Because there's something about taking the step and saying, you know what? I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to stay in a place of intimidation. I'm not going to stay in a place of fear. Whether this Goliath dies or is there the rest of my life, I'm going to trust God to help me persevere. And then we're going to pray. Keep coming. Move in if you're there so people can get down the aisles. Move in. Keep moving in and over so they can get down. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Satan hates this. He wants you to just stay where you are and tell yourself, no, it's okay. No. He hates bold statements of faith and trust. If you'd all bow with me. And first of all, if you've come forward because you're like, I need, to, I need God in my life. I want him to help me be an overcomer. Then I invite you right where you are just to pray a simple prayer. Ask him to forgive you your sins. Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. Please forgive me. Thank him. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. And just tell him, I need you in my life. I surrender my life to you. Please be my Lord and Savior. Just tell him that. And thank him for hearing you. To the rest of us who've come forward, you are a believer. But man, that Goliath is intimidating you. I want you quietly in prayer, out loud, there's just something about saying out loud, but quietly whisper why you came. God, I came forward because. Just tell him. Describe the situation. Just describe it. Tell him how you makes you how it makes you feel. The fear, the anxiety, the anger, the frustration, the defeat. Just whisper it to him. Tell him. He wants to hear it from you. And before the next part of your prayer, as a congregation, we're going to pray for you. So would you join me, congregation, extend your hands toward these that have come forward. 
Heavenly Father, we know what it's like to be intimidated by something or somebody that feels way bigger than us. We know the anxiety, we know the fear, we know the guilt, the shame, the, the doubt, the anger. And we pray for our brothers and sisters who come forward, God, right now, that you would just open the windows of heaven and unleash a floodgate of love and mercy and amazing grace upon them. In Jesus' name, we pray for healing rivers to flow through their soul. We pray for the peace of God to guard their heart, every emotion, to guard their mind, every thought in Christ Jesus. And so those of you who come forward, I want you to just open your hands and say, God, I surrender it all to you. Just tell him, I surrender it. It's in your hands. Give it to him. Picture him taking it from you. Picture him saying, good. I was wondering when you were going to stop carrying that around and take, give it to me. Every last bit of it, he's picking it all out of your hands. Every piece. He sees it all. You can see him nodding with, yeah, I know, I know, I know about that. Yep, I'll take that too, I'll take that too. And now just thank him for loving you out loud. Thank him for caring about you and tell him that you trust him. Go on, just thank him. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you trust me. I thank you that you care about me. Now thank him for, think of some answer to prayer in your past, big or small, something God has done, big or small in your past. Thank him for it. God, I thank you for it. Just be specific. Thank you for the time that, boom. Thank you for the prayer. Thank you for that blessing. Just thank you for whoever. Just thank him for it. And Lord, as we thank you for those answers to prayer in the past, I took a prayer walk the other day and God reminded me of an amazing answer to prayer he gave me on a prayer walk years ago. And he's like, I'm still in touch. I'm still in charge. And so thank him in faith. I thank you for what you're going to do with this Goliath. Just thank him. Either Goliath is going down, you're going around it, through it, above it, or you're just going to learn to persevere in spite of it and with it. But thank him for what he's going to do. Thank him that you're going to be more than a conqueror because he loves you. And we're going to have a closing word, but before we do, we want to sing a faith-building song. The splendor of the King Trembles at it. 
me say to those of you who accepted Christ today, you now have the Lord of the universe on your side. Yeah. We want to help you with helpful information. What's next? Stop by the VIP room. Just tell them I prayed the prayer today, and they'll help you know, okay, here's your next steps. Here's what you need to do to follow Christ. To the rest of us that are here, um, your problems are now instantly gone. They will never happen again. <laughs> now nah, that's not how it works. All right? Some of you, Goliath's going down. Boom. You're going to answer the prayer. Bang. In fact, I was, I mentioned I was in a prayer walk this past week in a favorite woods that I take a prayer walk. I'm not going to tell you where it is. I don't want to see you there. Um, <laughs> it might creep me out. But I, I was having, and I was having a prayer walk this week, and God reminded me of a prayer he answered a decade ago in that same place. It was a big prayer, a big answer. It was like, wow. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes, God, I tend to forget. When another Goliath comes, another Goliath comes, I, I tend to forget. God specializes in just taking the intimidation away. And Goliaths go down. If they don't go down, man, he's going to show you how to go around it, get past it, through it. Worst case, he's going to show you how to endure it. You will out-persevere any Goliath in your life as long as you remind yourself what? The battle belongs to the Lord. All right? And that's not just these folks. It's all of us are facing that. Would you say that with me? The battle belongs to the Lord. Tell somebody else that. Tell them. The battle. And so you remind yourself of that as often as you face that. Now, before you leave, we've got a little time. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them something that you're taking away from this message. And then go have a great day, have a cup of coffee, whatever. But tell somebody a takeaway you have, and then have a great day. Thanks.